So we begin our time in God's Word together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time asking that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth of your gospel. Lord, that we would be uh, led by your word to follow you and that through the power of your spirit, working through your word, that you would call us to uh, more commitment and faithfulness in our obedience to you. Father, I pray that you would give me strength and the words that I might say to encourage and build up and that you would take away those words that would distract or lead astray and that you would do all things for your glory and honor. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28, as we continue our study in discipleship. And so far in our study of discipleship, we focused on what you might say is the being of a disciple. We've seen that a disciple is chosen and loved by God. We've also seen that a disciple abides in and communes with Jesus Christ. And so now we're moving to uh, or from the being of a disciple to the doing of a disciple. A disciple doesn't just receive the call and love and power and fellowship of God, but he is called to do things, to act and to live in a certain way. As Robert Barron has put it, Christianity before all else is a form of life, a path that one walks. It is a way of seeing, a frame of mind, an attitude. But more than that, it is a manner of moving and acting, of standing and relating. So before we can move to what a disciple does, I want to emphasize that being precedes doing. What I mean by that is there's a, a very real risk that we could have as we move into how a disciple is to act and what a disciple is to do, there's a very real risk that you might think, well, I have to do this on my own or I have to do this under my own power. Or we might think, well, I have to do this to be accepted and loved by God. So I need to make sure that I follow and I disciple and I serve and I do all these things if God is going to love me. But I want to remind you of what we've already studied. We've already seen that we are chosen by God, we are loved by God, we, are, we have fellowship with God, we have communion with Christ, we have all of those things that God makes us in, by, through salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ. As, as John 15 says, as Jesus says in John 15, Abide in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. We cannot walk the path of discipleship apart from the call, love, power, and fellowship of Christ. So we have to stay there. We have to remember every time we come up against this temptation to think that it is our doing that makes us a disciple. We have to remember that it is first what God has done in us and for us that makes us a disciple. And then as a result of that, we do certain things. I want to make sure we stay on that foundation as we move forward into talking about the doing of a disciple. So with all that said, let's consider the actions of a disciple by first looking at uh, the action of following. So today I want you to see that a disciple is called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus 
wherever those footsteps may lead. So to see that, let's read Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24, God's word says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So there are two points that I want you to see from this passage today. The first is I want you to see the meaning of following. And second, I want, to see, I want you to see the motivation for following. So the meaning of following and the motivation for following. So first, let's consider the meaning of following from verse 24. So this statement that Jesus makes, which is a famous statement about bearing your cross and all of that, it comes in a very important moment that Jesus has with his disciples. If you back up to verse 13, you'll find that Jesus is walking through with his disciples through the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, this was a, a large metropolitan area, kind of like, you know, Atlanta would be where it's got all these different cities that kind of connect together to make the Atlanta metro area. Uh, Caesarea Philippi was this huge metropolitan area, and it was notoriously a pagan area in which they had all these different statues of different Greek gods that were basically set up along the road and in the background of all the hills. You could look out across the the mountain range there and you could see all these statues erected to all these different Greek gods. And so you can imagine that in the background, as Jesus stands on the side of this mountain overlooking Caesarea Philippi with all of these idols behind him, and Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say... That I am. Now, in asking that, Jesus immediately gets a couple of bad responses. But then Peter famously in verse verse 16 professes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus confirms the confession of faith that Peter makes. And he points to Peter's confession of faith as the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. But then, almost immediately, Jesus turns dark in his teaching. After, Jesus, after Peter makes this fantastic profession of faith about Jesus being the Christ, Jesus follows that up by saying, And you know what? I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die on a cross, and I'm going to rise again from the dead. And right after Jesus says that, Peter stands up and he says, In verse 22, far be it from you, Lord. So Peter, in one breath, is an example of faith. And in the very next breath, he is rejecting Jesus' teaching and forbidding him from doing what Jesus has said he has come to do. To this, Jesus responds by saying, 
by calling Peter Satan. Now let that sink in for a minute. In the course of eight verses, in the course of one Bible study lesson that Jesus is doing, one, set, one teaching that Jesus is doing, Peter goes from the personification of faith to the personification of Satan. So then, in verse 24, Jesus says these famous words, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. So based on this context, I want you to notice three truths of what it means to follow Jesus. First, following Jesus is more than just words. Following Jesus, and this has been something that I've pointed out just about every sermon in this sermon series on discipleship. Following Jesus is more than just words. So Peter is always quick to give a word. Peter is always quick to speak. And sometimes, as we've just seen, sometimes that's good. Sometimes he professes faith when nobody else will. And sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes his master calls him Satan with what he says. He was absolutely right to profess faith that Jesus was the Christ. Yet yet it's not enough to just say the right things about Jesus. Jesus says... To be a disciple, you must come after me. You must follow me. Which is to say that a disciple is to walk in the way of his master. In other words, Peter is not in charge. Peter doesn't get to say, forbid it, to you. Forbid it Lord. Don't do that, Lord. Peter isn't calling the shots here. And no disciple is greater than his master. You see, you've got to get that in your head if you're going to understand what it means to be a Christian disciple. Jesus is not an add-on to your life. It's not like, uh, you know, you believe you're an Auburn fan or you're an Alabama fan. Now, I know for some fans that is not just an add-on to their life, but for most people, it's just something that you add on. It's something you're interested in a few months out of the year. It's something you get excited about, but it is not the definition of who you are as a person. Jesus is not like being a sports fan. It's not something that is a part of your life. Jesus is to be all of your life. You are to follow Him. You don't call the shots. He does. Second, following Jesus means giving up on what we want. As Jesus says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. Now, the Greek word for deny means to disown or to forget oneself. So when you commit to follow Jesus, your life is no longer about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about your preferences or identity or desires. Your life is now set on Jesus Christ. As Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Third, To follow Christ is to take up one's cross. Now this phrase, 
has been greatly abused in our time. Uh, we use the phrase, our cross to bear, when we're talking about our crazy sibling or our desire for cake, right? Uh, our cross to bear as we bear the diet that we're on. You know, that's, that's the way we use that phrase. And along with that, Jesus' death on the cross has turned the symbol of the cross into something beautiful. And thank God for that. But it's turned it into a thing of beauty that now people will take the symbol of the cross and wear it as a necklace uh, of jewelry. I'm sure a lot of you here today are doing that very thing. But when Jesus said this, he wasn't referring to some mundane first world problems. And he wasn't talking about a thing of beauty. He was referring to one of the worst torture devices that man has ever invented. To be crucified was the greatest mark of shame that a person could take. To carry a cross was a sign of judgment and humiliation. To take up one's cross was to die. You see, in a very real sense, the way of discipleship is a way of death. To follow Jesus you must die to your own desires and your own will. To follow Jesus, you must die to the world, denying its ways and its allurements. To follow Jesus, you must be willing to literally die for what you believe. As John Piper put it, daily Christian living is daily Christian dying. The dying I have in mind is the dying of comfort and security and reputation and health and family and friends and wealth and homeland. To die daily is to embrace the life of loss for Christ's sake and to count it as gain. So now that we understand the meaning of, of following, let's consider the motivation for following from verses 25 through 27. Put simply, the motivation for following Jesus Christ, even following him to death, is that we might gain eternal life. So Jesus states this motivation that we should have to follow Jesus in three different ways in these three verses. First, following Jesus results in our salvation. He says in verse 25, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever would lose his life will find it. Now, this is one of those great paradoxes of the kingdom of God. If you hold on to your life, if you refuse to submit to the will of Christ and instead seek to keep control for yourself, you will ultimately lose your life. Refusal to submit to Christ results in your condemnation and judgment. But if you lose your life for Christ, if you submit to his leadership and live for him, even willing to live for him in, in, and face death for him, you will gain life in him. Second, following Jesus results in our satisfaction. Following Jesus results in our satisfaction. In verse 26, Jesus asked, What does it profit or benefit a man if he should gain everything in this world and lose his soul? Jesus is essentially asking, 
What is more valuable to you? Is the stuff of this world what you value most? The power, the fame, the wealth, the pleasure? Or is eternal life with God what you value most? You see, if you value the things of this world, you can gain it all. In fact, that's the whole story of the book of Ecclesiastes. You can gain it all. And it will mean nothing in the end because you will not have eternal life. You will lose your soul in the process. But if you turn to Jesus, you might not have anything that this world offers. You might not gain a thing that this world values. But you will have Jesus and that is enough because He is eternal life. Third, Following Jesus results in our security on the day of judgment. In verse 27, Jesus reminds us that there will be a day when he will return to judge the living and the dead. And when he does, as he says, he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, I want to take a second to just clarify a word here, because we could make a very faithful mistake in getting tripped up over this word that Jesus uses when he says, be judged according to what he has done. Now that word done there, people can get tripped up over because they might think, well, maybe Jesus is going to get a scale out and he's going to set that scale on his judgment table and he's going to put my good deeds on one side and he's going to put my bad deeds on the other. And if my good outweighs my bad, then I get to go to heaven. And that's not what this word done actually means. It's not an idea of uh, my individual deeds or even the sum of my individual deeds. The Greek word for done there is praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, which is where we get our English word practice, right? Sounds almost the same. In fact, it's very hard speaking it to distinguish between the two. It's not the idea of individual deeds or even the sum of those individual deeds, but the way that we have ordered our lives, the practice of our lives, the the focus of our lives. This points back to verse 24 and the idea of following Jesus. So when Jesus judges humanity, he will judge us based on how we have ordered our lives. Did we follow him? Or did we follow the ways of this world? Did we deny ourselves and take up our cross? Or did we seek to live by our own desires? On that day, if we have followed Jesus, we will receive the reward of eternal life in Him. So friend, I hope you understand that your salvation rests on who it is that you follow. If you follow your own desires, your own way, if you think that you're going to make your own way in this world and keep control for yourself, you will face judgment and hell. You can store up all of the goods of this world. You can gain all of the power that this world has to offer. You can explore every pleasure that this world can bring and you will be bankrupt at the end of your life because you will not have the eternal life that you need to live forever with God in the glory of heaven. The only way that you can have eternal life is if you follow Jesus. And so won't you follow Him today? Brothers and sisters, 
Our walk with Jesus Christ is to be defined by our submission to Him. We are called to deny our own desires and to submit completely to the will of Christ. And that looks like giving up what we want in any given situation. You know, Brother Harold was talking about, or Brother Harold and Joe were talking about how we live as examples and witnesses for Christ in our daily lives when we don't do what the world expects, right? When, when we're, uh, we're in a long line at Marvin's and, we, and uh, we could be frustrated and fuss at the uh, teller when we get up there or the cashier when we get up there, but instead we show grace and patience and love for them. Or, or when we're uh, patient with someone who's trying to pick a fight with us and trying to argue with us. And that requires... Denying yourself, right? Because the impulse in any one of those situations is to do what everyone else does and to give in to our anger and to give in to our pride and to give in to the desire for power and to be right. But in the Christian world, it's that upside down paradoxical world of the kingdom in which we deny ourselves. We don't do what we might most want to do and instead we serve Christ by loving others and by doing what Christ would have us to do. And that is what it looks like to follow Christ. That's what it looks like to bear our cross, to be patient and loving when no one else will be, to be willing to take the assaults of other people, to take the offense of other people, because we love Jesus more than we love ourselves. And we love Jesus and want to serve Him and follow Him, regardless of where that might be lead us. So may we leave here today ready to carry our cross and to lose our lives so that we might gain life with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of Christ here that we are called to follow him and to take up our cross daily and walk after him. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to do that that we would uh, have that power of the Spirit that would enable us to follow you and that we would be faithful uh, in our calling to live as those who deny ourselves and live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us now as we respond to that gospel call. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.